0: You are listening to the EdTech Takeout from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the EdTech Takeout, a brand new podcast that serves up bite-sized technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and I am joined by my friend, colleague, and co-host, Mindy Kearney. How are you, Mindy?
1: I'm good. I'm glad to be here.
0: This is kind of an exciting time, isn't it?
1: It is. We're very excited about this, kind of starting on a new adventure for the two of us and uh, working as a team on something. We haven't really done that yet, so... Yeah, this is new and exciting.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things, it feels like we've been talking about this and planning it for months, but at the end of the day, it's better just to get recording and get started with it. Why don't we start with some introductions and let people know a little bit about ourselves and who we are. So do you want to go first?
1: Sure, I'll go first. So like Jonathan said, my name is Mindy Kearney. Um, I'm originally... And first and second grade combination teacher. I have about 13 years of teaching experience and left the classroom to go to Grantwood AEA to become a technology consultant, focusing mostly on technology integration into classrooms. And I've been here for five months, going on six months. So uh, this is a big stretch for me. I've never done anything like this before, but I'm with the man, Jonathan Wiley. Who uh, is pushing me to try something new? So very exciting.
0: That is great to hear, Mindy. Yes, well, we're we're very glad to have you here at Grandwood. Um, let me do the same then. So, my name is Jonathan Wiley. I am originally from Glasgow, Scotland, and I have taught elementary K through five. I taught that for ten years—five years in the UK and five years here in sunny Iowa. So, very much enjoy that. I left the classroom to join Grant Wood about five years ago, four and a half years ago. And so I do the same job that Mindy does, just not as good some days. So, um, we work with teachers to help them integrate technology into their classrooms. So, that's kind of a bit about what I do. But I should also say I'm a podcast host. I've been podcasting now for about two and a half minutes. And... <laughs> I very much enjoy podcasting. I have to say, Mindy, that I don't think there's been any time during my podcasting history where I have looked back and thought, you know, I don't really enjoy this anymore. So, so far, so good.
1: Well, good, because it's only been two and a half minutes.
0: Well, it's been more than that now, but yeah, all the experience helps. Yeah. Why don't we jump in and maybe talk a little bit about why we're starting this podcast what it's going to be about and give people some idea where we might be going with this new adventure so we have um our top five reasons for starting the podcast why don't you give us one of those mindy
1: sure so um for those of you that aren't familiar with uh the grantwood aea one of the great things about iowa is we have these um agencies that obviously employ jonathan and i to go in and consult in classrooms and um, either help teachers learn new things or help them implement new things. And so, one of the things we really wanted to focus on during this podcast is to uh, broaden our audience, obviously, and uh, allow people to get some information from us when nece- we're not necessarily in their classroom. So, we really wanted this to be kind of an on on the go professional development um, with a with a hashtag podcast PD. You can find uh, other podcasts that are kind of doing the same thing anytime, anywhere, learning.
0: Yeah, it's very much uh, an on-demand PD model that we're, we're looking at here. So another way for people to learn new things and for us to share some of the things that we're learning at Grant Wood. So, yeah, great point. Um, I think we're also kind of thinking about, you know, a lot of what we do at, at Grantwood. And a lot of what makes this job a really fun job is that we get to model and try things out for teachers and show them, you know, what this could look like if they wanted to do something themselves. So one of the things we we have here and we set up at Grantwood was a makerspace just because we wanted to model what that might look like in the classrooms. We've got all sorts of other different initiatives and, and things that we've set up as a as a modeling exercise for teachers to come and see what it would look like after we you know, buy the equipment and, and show them how all this works. So we're, we're modeling this as a model for teachers who may be thinking about doing a professional podcast themselves, or maybe even looking at podcasting with students. And we will have an episode coming up in the near future about podcasting with students. It seems like a natural fit for what we're doing. So um, I think that's an important part of the show too.
1: Right, and kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit um, when you were talking about teachers kind of coming in and checking out the tools that we already have, um, we also kind of want to share some of the stories of what we see going on in our districts to help you learn from some of the things that are happening and the things that we're seeing as well, uh, just to kind of give some examples of what good practice might be uh, with teachers out there that are just you know, trying to be extraordinary or trying new things, taking risks.
0: Yeah, I I agree hundred percent. We have some very talented educators in the Grantwood AEA area. Um, lots of teachers doing great things. So, you know sharing is caring and it's kind of part of the job that Mindy and I do here at Grantwood. You know, we when we were in the classroom, you know, we didn't always have time to go out and research and find all the latest things. You know, that's that's part of our job to research and see what the latest technology trends are for the classroom and to pass that on to the teachers we work with. So the podcast is another medium in which we can do that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the reason that, uh, you know, we looked for a job like this is that we really enjoy sharing with other folks. That was always one of my favorite parts of the job. And you're right. It, it's hard to do. It's hard to find the time to do that. And so this gives us the opportunity to really do something we love, which is, you know, sharing with educators what we what we think are some amazing techniques and strategies And lastly, of course, is just to have some fun. Uh, Hopefully it comes across, Jonathan and I really enjoy each other's company. I believe he even called me his friend earlier in his introduction. Um, So hopefully you'll enjoy a little bit of um, the things we have to tell you.
0: Yeah, maybe I should have edited that introduction a bit more. I don't know. Um,
1: Oh, I guess we'll see if it makes the final cut, won't we, Jonathan? Yeah,
0: we'll see, Mindy. We'll see.
1: We'll see where we're at by the end of this podcast.
0: (laughs) Okay. So um, I think another thing, you know, we want this show to be your show as much as it is our podcast show. Um, we are absolutely open to suggestions for topics or things that you would like us to talk about. So you can send us an email to podcast at gwaea.org at any time with your feedback or ideas or suggestions. We are more than welcome to take all those from you. You can also get information about each episode on our website, dlgwaea.org forward slash podcast. And if you like the show, please uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We won't have ads on this podcast. We're not going to ask for your money. But if you can spare the time to rate and review us on iTunes, then we'd very much appreciate that.
1: So that brings us to the main topic Today's main course would be YouTube in the Classroom, serving it to you, piping hot today.
0: Piping hot, I like it. YouTube is such a huge thing now. It's got over a billion users uploading, watching, and doing all kinds of things with videos that it's so hard to ignore in the classroom. And we thought we'd take some time today in this podcast just to look at some of the ways that YouTube can be used more effectively as well as more safely and just lots of different things, tips, ideas that you can use in order to uh, be a YouTube teacher in your classroom. So we thought we start with why you might want to use YouTube in the classroom and there's Lots of obvious ideas why you might want to use YouTube and some less obvious ones too. So maybe we'll start with playlists because I think that's a really great place to start because there's so much content on YouTube that bringing all that content together, organizing it, having it accessible and somewhere that you can share it with students is almost the most important thing that you have to do on YouTube these days when you're dealing with videos, and playlists give you that option to curate all that content and bring it all together into a, a group.
1: Yeah, and with those playlists even, to you know, if you have a classroom website and then embedding that playlist, so you don't even have to have your students going out to YouTube or finding your channel, but to embed that playlist, then all the videos that you might want them to take a look at or that are categorized into a certain subject are all there just a click away.
0: Yeah, and I love how easy it is to add videos to a playlist. I've I've got more playlists now than I care to remember, um, more than I probably should have just because I just keep adding things to new playlists. You just look for that plus sign underneath the video where it says add to. And if you already have playlists in your account, you can add it to existing playlists. Otherwise, you can click the box that says create new playlists and just like that, you've got a new playlist, a new way to categorize and organize the videos that you like and want to share with students online.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, you might go searching for certain videos that you are looking for, but another way that you can kind of keep up or maybe have an idea of where you'd like to go is by subscribing to different channels. So there's a gazillion different channels out there. A channel is a specific person that's uploading videos all into their one channel, their page. And um, I have a couple ideas of places that you could go to kind of check out some different channels that I think are really neat. Um, And I thought this might be a good time. If that's okay with you, Jonathan, that I might share some of those. I have um, Alice Keeler. So anything Alice Keeler is pretty amazing when it comes to Google. So if you're a Google school, um, Alice Keeler is your person to go to. She's got a great channel with lots of tutorials. Um, Infinite Thinking Machine. Uh, does a great job of kind of inspiring creativity and innovation in the classroom. They kind of just do sometimes kind of random topics, but just really interesting. Uh, They do a great job of, um, I don't know, they're just kind of upbeat and fun. Uh, Another one is uh, Make. And I'm not sure how new this one is. I got the impression that maybe it's a newer channel, but I'm not sure. And it's all about different things that you can make. So if you're trying to implement a makerspace into your School, then this make channel would be awesome. It just gives you all these how to's about how to do just lots of really neat things, sometimes obscure things. It's just kind of fun to watch people uh, that are very creative and uh, making things that they just thought of in their head. Uh, the other one that I love is CGP Gray. Do you know this one, Jonathan?
0: I'm a big fan of CGP Grey.
1: I love it. So what CGP Grey does is it gives really quick kind of funny videos to explain kind of in-depth in-depth concepts. So uh yesterday I happened to see one, it was a really short video about how you could be part of the British monarch and it went through the whole family tree. Oh, it was and it was so funny, but it just it was really interesting to watch it. I think it's really engaging for students and if you don't have a lot of time, you don't want students sitting and watching a 30 minute video, of course. Um, it's just a fun way to kind of get a concept across and I, I think students would really enjoy that. And then if you're looking for others to subscribe, subscribe to, you can go to hashtag education um, and that channel then if if you go to that channel, then there's lots of different ideas. I think it's over on the right-hand side where it shows you where who they subscribe to. And then that's a whole nether list. So a little bit like Twitter where you can go and look to see who other people are following. The same thing for channels. So if you find a channel that you really like, you can go in there and see, oh, well, who are they subscribed to? It might give you some different ideas of, of places that you didn't even knew existed.
0: You know what? I, I, Since we're talking about channels, I think... One of the most important channels is your own channel because you can have this spot on YouTube when you log in with a Google account, then you've got a space on YouTube to personalize and make that your own space so that students or parents or whoever comes to your channel page gets to see the videos that you're curating, the videos that you're making and uploading and the videos that you want to share with others. You can also add a bunch of those great channels that... Mindy was sharing there you can say these are the channels I subscribe to and you can let people see which ones you would recommend other people would have a look at so don't forget your your own channel as well it's great to go look at other people's and you definitely got a lot of inspiration that way that's how I got a lot of inspiration for what my channel might look like on YouTube but um, very easy to set up and personalize and make it look like your own.
1: So um, with all that content out there, I think I read the other day, it's like 4 billion hours of YouTube video is watched a month.
0: That is an insane amount of video.
1: Yeah. I also read, this is also interesting, it would take you 1,700 years to watch all of the video content on YouTube, but it's constantly growing. So by now, it might be even longer than that. It's crazy but because there's so much video out there and anybody can download or upload video you need to make sure that your students are being safe on YouTube and so we're gonna talk a little bit I think about digital citizenship did you have any tips for that Jonathan
0: yeah you know I think it's one of these things where as we all know the internet is sometimes like the Wild West you know there are places that are very good to go to and get reliable content there's places that are very bad that you definitely do not want to go go to and are probably blocked by your school filters and then there's places like YouTube that's got both of those types of things going on and you know as with anything it's you just need good structures in place to to deal with with the good and the bad now there are some things you can do to make that a little bit of a better experience for students, but it's never going to be 100% foolproof. So I th- I think we would both agree that in for the most part, the good outweighs the bad on YouTube and that there is more good than bad on there. But, you know, you have to have a plan in place to deal with, you know, what if my kids stumble across this or what if they see that? So, you know, it's... The same type of idea that you would have with, you know, any website that students may come across during a, a Google search and things like that.
1: Yeah, and I think there's some important, like you said, there's some important points to be made in your classroom. Um, I know one of the things I always do with my students is they always had to request permission from anyone that they were taking a picture of or, or a video. So um, I think that's an important conversation to have even with older students. Um, and And then what do you do if someone's uploaded a video that you... Don't want on there. And I kind of looked into that because I was interested to find out like, how do I have a YouTube video taken down if it's not my channel and it's a video of me? And so uh, their steps are that you are supposed to, of course, contact the person that um, owns the channel and then that you can put in a request to YouTube and they will have um, something taken down that you don't want on YouTube as long as it's you and then you have to have like a certain, there are like a couple of different criteria about why it couldn't be uploaded. So I think those are important things to talk to your students too, not only about the correct way to use YouTube, but what if there is some bullying going on or something like that, where there's video put on YouTube that you don't want there.
0: Yeah. And a couple of tips for teachers too, since they are going to be the listeners to this show is that YouTube is technically a 13 plus service. And although you can use it, you know, not logged in as any age group, if you go through the terms of service in YouTube, they say, you know, it is for 13 plus. So, you know, really we're talking about middle school upwards. That If you have younger kids and you want to put some of their videos onto YouTube, you should consider things like a classroom account to have them put their things on there because even though they may be a Google Apps school and they have Google Apps accounts, they probably should not be using YouTube if they are under 13.
1: Right. And even with those younger students, I always felt a little bit safer unlisting my videos and um, just The nice thing about having them unlisted is that I could just take the link then and email it out to parents and it wasn't searchable. And um, I always felt a little bit safer just about having my students' faces on screen, um, that I was just sharing that link with people who, you know, were safe for those students. So, you know, that's an option that you can use as well.
0: Yeah. And while we're uh, into the rule book here, I do have a reputation of being a bit of a rule follower, but no. uh, What?
1: No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So I just want to put this out there as well, because one of the questions that I will sometimes get asked quite a lot in relation to YouTube is, is how do you download videos? And I, I can absolutely see why teachers would want to download videos. Not everybody's school internet is awesome. Certain points of the day is worse than others. And it's sometimes nice just to have a way that you can have that video offline and be able to use that. So The thing with that is you're not supposed to do that. It does say in YouTube's terms of service, again, I'm one of these people that does actually read these things, that you are not supposed to download any content from YouTube unless you see a download link next to it. So you can download your own videos because YouTube gives you that ability, but you're not supposed to download anybody else's videos. And the kind of rule of thumb here is can you download videos from YouTube? Yes. Should you download videos from YouTube? No.
1: Well, the reason I would love to download videos is to get rid of all those commercials on there because there is an insane amount of commercials surrounding YouTube along the bottom, when they pop up, after the video is over, down the side... There's got to be a way to get rid of those.
0: Yeah, there absolutely is. So let me uh, help you out with that, Mindy. Uh, One of the things I usually recommend to teachers is to get some kind of ad blocking software on on their browsers. So things like Adblock for Chrome, Adblock Plus, which works on all browsers. There's one called uBlock Origin, which I only came across recently via Wesley Fryer online. And that's a really good one too. Those ad blockers will block ads that you see on youtube.com, like at the top or on the side, they will block the pre-roll videos that you sometimes have to sit through and wait for it to, say, skip after five seconds or even worse, after 30 seconds. So they're a really nice way to block some of the ads that you see on YouTube.
1: Yeah, and um, the one that you showed me the other day, I had originally used QuietTube and kind of got away from using QuietTube. QuietTube was um, View Pure, which I really liked because it keeps... The way you use View Pure is that you take the link from the video and then you paste it into the View Pure. I don't know. It's kind of like a filter, I suppose, and it filters out all of those extra you know, things that you wouldn't necessarily want your students to see and puts it into its own screen. And um, especially for students that you don't want just going to YouTube looking for things, it's a really nice way to kind of clean it up and just allow them to see just that video, which I think is important, especially just for for younger students as well.
0: Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but it's uh, viewpure.com and you just paste in the URL to the video you want to watch, and it takes away the sidebar, it takes away the comments. The comments are probably the worst part of YouTube sometimes, because they can be really malicious and very inappropriate. So, you just get a white website with your video on it, and nothing else. So, that's a really great way to share videos with students. I know a lot of teachers, they're starting to do that on Google Classroom. When they want students to watch a video and as, as an assignment, they will View pure the video, and share that link to students so that they don't see anything else on YouTube or any other distractions. And another good one I came across for that kind of purpose is a Chrome extension called YT Fulfill Chrome Extension. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's a little button that sits up on your toolbar, and when you click that, it automatically generates a full screen URL of the video you're watching. So when you share that URL with students, it just automatically opens full screen. And the nice thing about it is, you know how sometimes at the end of a video, you get that mosaic tile of suggested videos to watch next. Those are all gone too.
1: And sometimes, and suggestive is sometimes how those videos are. Those, some of those videos I could never believe. How in the world did this pop up on this little video that's a kid's I know. video?
0: So it's all down to the way that YouTube somehow categorizes videos, but that YT Fulfill Chrome extension is great at removing all that stuff too.
1: Yeah, and um, I have a six year old and a four year old, and um, my six year old loves Minecraft, and um, he often wants to search for Minecraft videos on YouTube. And because he's young, that always causes some problems because I can't sit and watch every single little video with him. Um, and so we downloaded the YouTube for Kids app, which is really nice because it has a couple great Parent features. First of all, you can set a timer on it so that uh, your student or your child can only watch it, or your student can only watch it for so long, or have so much of of YouTube screen time. Um, You can also turn off the search if you want to, so that um, it just gives you suggested videos of things that um, in the because you can choose what grade level your student is in, and so then from there it'll suggest videos. Um, But you can turn off the search so the only thing they see is those suggested videos. I like to give my kids the freedom to kind of search because I think that's a great way to use YouTube as well to learn new information
0: do you find that a lot of the content that you would not want to see is filtered out in that app
1: I do actually they're um, for the most part the suggested videos have you heard of this um DC toys collector have you heard of this person no. it's the yeah it's the most I, I believe I read she is the um richest youtube star there is and no one knows who she is. And what she does is unboxes toys.
0: So you don't see her face in the videos?
1: You don't see her face, only her hands and I I found it a little annoying at first, but I also found myself watching it with my 4-year-old. She's unwrapping little these little toys that's all she does. And a ton of videos from her. I mean, so they're really, I feel like really safe videos for the kids to, to watch. And I'm pretty okay with allowing them to search things um, because I always keep them around too. I mean, I don't send my kids to their room to play on the iPad by any means. They're always in the same area that I'm at, which I would always suggest with any age student or child. Um, but yeah, it's a really great app for, for younger kids. I, I put my stamp of approval on it.
0: So I believe that's available for iPhone, iPad, and Android. Is that right?
1: I don't know about Android because we are an Apple family. So that I'm not sure.
0: We will look that up and put a link to that in the show notes.
1: Absolutely. Sounds good.
0: So let me talk about a few more things that are kind of, I think, maybe hidden features in YouTube, things that maybe people don't always think YouTube is necessarily providing. And the first of those is the photo slideshow. So you have the ability in YouTube to upload photographs to YouTube and put them to music to make an animated photo slideshow. And we don't really often think about YouTube in terms of photos, more about videos, but what you're really creating with the Photo Slideshow app is to create a video. So the way it works is inside of YouTube, if you click the upload button in the top right-hand corner, you'll see down in the bottom right-hand corner the option to click and create a photo slideshow. So you upload the photos from your computer and YouTube has a huge library of royalty-free music that you can attach to your photo slideshow. It will stitch together all your photos, do a nice kind of pan and zoom effect and it could be a great way to share photos from a field trip or from some school events or something that your class was doing and project they were working on. It's really super simple and easy. You don't have to worry about any technical barriers or anything being too difficult to do. You just upload the photos, choose some music and hit save and you've created a photo slideshow video on YouTube.
1: Yeah, that's really nice because I think that's a newer f- feature. Is that correct?
0: I believe it's been there for a little while, but um, yeah, it it's definitely one of the newer ones for sure.
1: Yeah, and I know um, one of the things that I thought was great, and you'll have to talk about this because I don't know much about it. But one of the things I used to find really frustrating about YouTube is that I couldn't edit in it. That I couldn't, you know, take clips here and um, clip this out and shift this over here. But that's changed a little bit for YouTube.
0: Yeah, YouTube has a built-in video editor as well. You can get to it by going to youtube.com forward slash editor or you can click on that upload button again in the top right-hand corner and you'll see it down there next to the photo slideshow option where it says editor. And in there you have a video editor that works on Mac, PCs and Chromebooks. So it's really versatile in terms of what you can do with it. It's an online video editor. You can use clips that you have already uploaded to YouTube, but one of the nice things I like to show teachers is the library of Creative Commons videos that have built into the editor. And these are videos that people have uploaded themselves and marked with a Creative Commons license. And that means that your students can use those videos, remix those videos, cut those videos, do whatever they want to those videos, and have a a stock library of video footage to use. So I think back to when I taught fourth grade in the classroom, we always did a project on different states around the country. We invariably did some kind of presentation to do that, but I think a really nice way to do that would be inside the YouTube video editor where you could just type California and get a whole bunch of Creative Commons videos on California, bring them all into your YouTube editor, add some music add some titles, trim it up, and hit save, and you would have a great video on California.
1: And doesn't the YouTube Capture app kind of do the same thing where you can record straight into it? Because that's an app that you can use on your mobile devices. Doesn't it kind of do the same thing?
0: Yeah, very much. I think it's more focused on creation from your mobile device. So one of the nice things with the YouTube Capture app is that When you start recording on, I don't know, let's say the camera app on your phone, and then you hit stop, it stops, and you start again, and then you hit stop. You've got two videos, then three videos, then four videos. The YouTube Capture app lets you pause the video. So the... You can still have one video with multiple shots and multiple takes in it and you can edit those clips a little bit inside the mobile app and you can add music to it and then send it straight to YouTube. So it's not quite as in-depth as the online editor, but it does certainly have some nice options for mobile users So if you're using Android tablets or iPads in the classroom.
1: Yeah, and I think it really allows for students to get a little bit more creative in what they're doing. Uh, if we expect them to do everything in one shot, that gets kind of tricky for kids. It gets tricky for adults, so it's nice that you can kind of stop it and pick it back up again. I like that. Yeah, me too. So um, YouTube actually has a couple other cool like third parties that use YouTube, and um, this is something new that I had learned once I started at Grantwood Wood was... Um, using Edpuzzle, which I think is neat because you can take a YouTube video and use Edpuzzle and put it in there. And I just watched this really cool Edpuzzle uh, quiz, I guess, where they stopped the music to a song and in the song they used words and asked students how to spell the word in the song. And it was really entertaining to watch the video and then the video would stop and then a question would pop up on the screen and it would say, how do you spell this version of your? And then there would be two, you know, is it Y-O-U-R? Or is it Y-O-U apostrophe R-E? Which one is the correct one for what you heard during the song? And what a great way to reach students, you know, and get them engaged in spelling.
0: Yeah, there's lots of tools out there that will let you add questions to YouTube videos so edpuzzle is a great one um some other ones we like and have showed teachers before would be educanon which is very similar to edpuzzle uh Zaption, and google forms kahoot things like that go formative is a is a great one too and if you're an ipad classroom i definitely take a look at classkick that is a recent one too that's really good i really liked your example mindy where you had the uh, spelling one there because sometimes i see or I have created videos myself where you play one minute of the video and then you ask a direct question on something that just happened in the last 10 seconds. And it's, well, I don't know if that's really a test of students' understanding. It's more just a good test of students' memory and we should be wary of the questions that we're asking and and how we're asking them if we're assigning questions to YouTube videos.
1: Yeah, we don't want to make it just a glorified test right? I mean, we're, we're looking for more in-depth questions and finding ways to kind of engage students in the content of the video. Uh, so I think that's a really great point. It's not just a fun way to take a test. It's also to kind of engage them with the content, for sure. That's a great point, Jonathan.
0: Yeah, so we'll put a link to all those tools and apps and extensions and everything else in our show notes. You can find those at dlgwaea.org forward slash podcast.
1: So to close our show, we have a little segment called Tech Nuggets. Tech Nuggets are something that hopefully you can implement right away in your classroom. A quick takeaway with your takeout. And Jonathan, did you want to start?
0: Okay, so my Tech Nugget is something that was done fairly recently by the good people at Skype. And that is to solve the problem that people have had with skype in the past now skype is one of those tools that's really useful for educators in terms of uh, doing things like mystery skype which is a really uh, popular thing for two classrooms from around the country or around the world to connect with each other or to do virtual field trips things like that but the problem with skype in the past has been that you would have to have that person in your skype contacts you would have to send them an invite would you like to join my contacts and then they accept your invite and all that kind of thing. So that's kind of a barrier in some ways because they would also need an account and they would also need to have Skype installed on a PC or a Mac and things like that. This top tip takes out some of that inconvenience because if you use Skype on a PC or a Mac, you just fire it up and you hit Control N on Windows or Command N on a Mac to begin a new conversation. And what you will see now is a join link for your Skype conversation. So you can take that link and you can send it to people by email. You can send a direct message to people on Twitter or put it wherever you want to have that person receive the link to your call. And they can click on that link. They can join your Skype call. They do not need a Skype account. They do not need Skype installed on their computer because it will open in a web browser. And you can Skype other classes with no problem at all. The only person that needs the account is the person that's setting up the Skype call in the first place, but the person you're connecting with no longer needs Skype accounts or Skype installed on their computers even. What do you think of that, Mindy?
1: I like it a lot. I like that a lot, because I know in the classroom, I mean, if you have FaceTime, it only works if both people have FaceTime. So with Skype, anybody can use it at any time. I love that.
0: All right, so tell us your tip, Mindy.
1: I love students showing their work. I'm very passionate about students showing their work. So uh, Seesaw, which is uh, an app website, kind of a student portfolio, student learning journal uh, type of platform, has now added blogging to their tool. And it allows the teacher to set up a website and the students can post any of their learning activities. It just goes straight to the website. Very simplistic. You could have kindergartners doing it. Uh, The only thing is, is then before it goes to the website, teachers have to approve it. Bam, there it is. Love it.
0: That is awesome. I think that is a great addition to have. I mean, some of these tools and apps and things that you use are really pigeonholed into one feature or one genre. And To extend that out even further makes one less app or one less website that you have to use. So that is a great integration from the folks at Seesaw.
1: Yeah, and I love that, you know, with Seesaw, kids can draw pictures, things like that. And those that can be blogging. Kindergartners can be blogging with pictures. It just, like, blows my mind. It's awesome. Way to go, Seesaw.
0: Okay, well, I think that brings us to the end of our very first podcast. Have you enjoyed your first podcasting experience, Mindy?
1: I have. How about you, Jonathan? Are we still friends?
0: I think we're still friends.
1: Ooh, we made it.
0: Okay, so if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe in a podcast player of your choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your friends, share it on social media, and please send us all your ideas and feedback by email to podcast at org. For more information on today's episode, please visit org slash podcast.